Welcome to another episode of It's In Here Somewhere. I'm excited to get to the topic for today. We're continuing a discussion from our last episode where we looked at the question, what should a Christian really look like? When the world looks at us as a Christian, how are we identified as being a follower of Christ? And I think the answer is very clearly taught to us in John chapter 13, where Christ simply makes the statement, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, that ye have love one to another. Our love for our fellow Christians is what identifies us to the world as being a follower of Christ. And as we view that truth taught by Christ himself, it is amazing to see how far we've strayed from that guiding principle. That the world could identify us by our love for other Christians, not for the world, not for Christ even, but for each other. That they would look at that love that we have for one another and say that's something that's different, that's something that's unique, that's something I've never seen before. And it is that love that would draw them not to us, but to Christ. Is that the truth that we exemplify? Are we being identified by the world as Christians for our love one to another? And as we look today at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, a chapter so well known for its emphasis on this idea of love, of charity, we ended the last episode speaking about the first three verses found there in 1 Corinthians 13. Verse number one says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And Paul teaches us here in verse number one, that love itself, charity, is not the words that we say. And he says here, I could speak with the tongues of men and of angels. I could have all the capability in the world to communicate in every language possible and I wouldn't be able to find the words to express to you exactly what love is. And I could not perform this idea of love simply by using those words. And it's so important for us to realize that love is not simply the things that we say. Now, having love will affect the words that we say, but love is not the words we say. He continues with the same concept and idea in verse number two where he says, And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and have all knowledge, and though I have all faith that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. I think we can all kind of accept the idea that love is not simply words. We could probably even accept the beginning of verse number two that says that wisdom and the sharing of wisdom and prophecy and those spiritual abilities, that that is not necessarily love in and of itself. But we get to the second half of that, verse number two, and he starts to make a statement that doesn't seem quite as clear-cut, that we may not have agreed with right off the bat if we had heard it. The second half of verse number two says this, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. He's like, I I could have the amount of faith to remove a mountain. Remember, Christ said that if you had just a grain of mustard seed, that much faith, that you could remove the mountain. He said, I could have that amount of faith. I could have that amount of spirituality. And that would not be, in and of itself, charity and love. So if it's not the words we say, if it's not the wisdom that we have, if it's not even the faith that we possess, we go on to verse number three, And it continues to kind of crack away at our belief and our 
idea of what love is. Verse number three, he says, And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. I'm sure you've heard, as I have many, many times, that love is not the words we say, but the actions that we take. And I would agree with that statement. But verse number three presents a problem to that theory and that idea. Because he says very clearly, he says, I could take everything I own, sell everything I have, and take that money and give it to the poor. I could give up my very life. I could give my life away, give my body to be burned, sacrifice my life. And that is not necessarily charity, is not necessarily love. So if love is not our words, if it's not our wisdom, if it's not our faith, if it's not our spirituality, if it's not even our gifts and our giving in the way that we give of ourselves, then what is love? If this is how we're supposed to be identified by the world, by the love that we have one to another, then what is love? Paul answers that question in several verses, beginning in verse number four. And he starts it this way. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Very simply, charity puts up with a lot. I think we all could agree that we have, from time to time, some difficult people in our lives. Some difficult people that God has put in our path. Those that are not the easiest to get along with. Those who are not the easiest to deal with. It may cause us difficulties. It may cause us frustrations. He says, but if we really care, If we really love, if we have that charity that he commands us to possess and make part of our lives, he said, charity suffereth long, we put up with it. This chapter and this passage are clearly not speaking about abuse and abusive situations. But it means and what it speaks to is the fact that we as human beings, as sinful creatures, we're not always easy to get along with. We can make things difficult for others and they'll make things difficult for us. And it's a temptation in many points to just quit on those relationships, not to work through our issues and work through our problems and to become those mature Christians that God wants us to be, but instead to simply give up, to part our ways because we don't get along. But true love and true charity doesn't take the easy way out. It doesn't just give up. It works through those issues and through those problems, realizing that if I were in that position, I would want someone to do the same for me, to give me the grace that I need, to give me the opportunity to grow as a Christian and to grow as an individual in these relationships. But he doesn't stop there. He doesn't simply say, charity suffereth long. But he adds in there, and is kind. And that little phrase makes things a whole lot more difficult because it's one thing to put up with the situation, to give someone grace as they grow, but it is an entirely different task to be kind in that situation. What that means is our attitude towards that person does not change. We give them the grace and we don't hold it against them. Many times we face issues and problems in our relationship because yes, we put up with someone. Yes, we give them the grace and the opportunity to grow, but we hold that against them. We hold that and we mark that on their account and we keep a list of the things and the ways that they've wronged us and the way they've done things against us and maybe the times where they were unkind or they spoke uh, in, in a way that they shouldn't have. But what 1 Corinthians 13 very clearly teaches us is that not only does charity suffer long, but it is kind. 
No one's keeping score. And we continue to keep a right attitude and a right spirit towards that person. And we'll see this idea pop up a little bit later on in the chapter. But let's continue here. Verse number four says, Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. These three ideas seem to go together. Charity envieth not. I'm not jealous of the other person in this relationship. Whether that's a husband and a wife, whether that's a friend to another friend, whatever the relationship is, I am genuinely happy and excited when that person is a success. Part of my responsibility is to help that person reach their potential and to serve God with their life. And if that happens and they begin to get the recognition and the blessings and reap the benefits of their success, there should be no one that is more excited for them. No one who is more genuinely behind them and proud of their accomplishments and their success than me. Why? Because I do care. I do love. I have the charity that 1 Corinthians 13 is speaking of. I'm not envious. I don't want to be in that position because God has a plan mapped out for that person. And he has a a journey for me to travel as well. And I don't want to switch places with that person. I'm content with the path that God has chosen for my life. That's why he says in verse number four, that charity envieth not, charity vaunteth not itself. I don't have to put myself in the spotlight. I don't need the attention for myself. I don't see someone else's success and automatically need to gain that attention back by something good that I've done. And that's where we find relationships where there's a constant battle back and forth for the attention of others, where it's a constant battle back and forth to one-up the other person and whatever accomplishments that we've had in our lives. Because charity vaunteth not itself. It is not puffed up. We don't think more of ourselves than we ought to. And that happens many times in the comparison between one person and another. When we would simply love and care about that person, we'd be legitimately and honestly happy for them in their success in life. Then he moves on to verse number five and he says this, Doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. This is an extension of what we saw in verse number four. Doth not behave itself unseemly. This is stepping outside of the things that we would normally do. Stepping outside of who we are and how we would normally act, again, because of the attention that we need. Again, because we see the success of someone else and because we don't have that true and legitimate care and love towards them and that we need that attention back. And that's why he says, he seeketh not our own, he's not easily provoked. How quickly we are provoked to anger. How quickly we get upset with what people say and do towards us is a very good sign and indication of how much we love and care about that person, of where our love is in that relationship. Because when we truly love and we care about someone, we're not easily provoked. We don't have an attitude that is very easily set off by any little thing that goes against our way, that doesn't fall in place to what we think should happen and what our ideal concept of what is going to happen. And he says that love, charity, Doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. It doesn't say that it thinketh less evil. 
or that it is not easily provoked to evil, so that it thinketh no evil. There's nothing that enters into our heart and our mind that would negatively affect that person. We truly and honestly want what is best for them. We would never have ill will towards someone else. We would never wish harm to that person. Then he continues in verse number six and says this, Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Now let's not misunderstand what Paul is saying here. We certainly want to be behind those who we consider our friends, those with whom we have that close relationship. Yes, we want to make sure that our love is able to persevere through those difficult times, that it doesn't give up so easily, that we have a right attitude and a right spirit towards those that God has placed in our lives. But Paul makes it very, very clear here in verse number six that it does not rejoice in iniquity, meaning we're not simply a supporter of whatever that person decides to do. Understand, we do not support wickedness. We don't support sin. We don't support those things that would draw them away from the plan of God for their life. Remember, that is part of why God has placed us in their life to begin with, to guide and direct them towards his will. doesn't mean that we know what that will is, but if we can keep that person close to God, God can speak to them and help them understand his path and his purpose for them. God is going to use us in those ways. Just as the book of Proverbs says, Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. Understanding that God has placed us in their life for a purpose. And when we understand that what is happening and what is going on and the path that they're beginning to travel in life is not right, we're not here just to be a cheerleader for whatever happens. God has placed us there for a purpose to guide, to direct, to influence for His glory and towards His purposes. But he says he, in verse number 6, Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Understanding that when that person does do what's right, when that person does follow what God has for them, when he is walking close to the Lord, there is no one who is behind them as much as we are. Rejoicing in the truth, rejoicing in the way that God is working through them and working in their lives. Verse number seven, he continues, Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. And let's just quickly break those down. First, he starts with, beareth all things. I cannot read this verse without being reminded again of the scriptures that teach us to bear ye one another's burdens. What is a burden? A burden is more than just a prayer request. It's more than something that we're asking God for. A burden is something that weighs on us so heavily that it's the first thing we think of when we wake up in the morning. We carry it throughout the entire day, and it's the last thing we think about when we go to bed. That's a burden. It's also a command of God for us as Christians to bear ye one another's burdens. It's a command of God to go to those who are around you, those people that God has placed in your life, and to find those burdens, those weights that they carry in their life, and to bear that for them. What that means is you're going to have to carry that weight. And that person who wakes up every morning with this distress, that person who wakes up every morning with this weight on their shoulders, God commands you and I as Christians to find that weight and to put it on our own shoulders, to bury that, to bear that weight ourselves. 
and to go to God in prayer as if that's our request, as if that's our weight, as if that's our burden to carry. And that is what 1 Corinthians 13 teaches us, is that true love beareth all things, finds that burden, and carries that and lifts that before the Lord for those in our life. And then he moves on in verse number 7, beareth all things, believeth all things. I hope that each of us can look back at our lives and identify someone who was there for us, someone who believed in us, someone who, no matter the circumstance, saw the best in us and believed that we could be something more than we were at the moment. And I believe that that is what Paul is speaking of here. The true love, true compassion, true charity in our lives is manifested by our belief that those around us, those who we mentioned at the beginning of the chapter, might be a little bit difficult to deal with. Those who may not be the easiest to get along with. Those who may not just click with us the best at all times. That we believe that they can be something that they are not yet. And I hope that you can identify someone in your life who believed in you in that way. Then he uses the phrase, hopeth all things. I think all of us need people in our lives who are positively realistic. What I mean by that is you understand what's really happening. You're not being unrealistic about the situation. You're not being unrealistic about what the future may hold. But you're being positive that God does have a plan. Positive that God does have a future for you and for those around you. And you need someone in your life who points you in that direction. Who keeps your eyes focused on what the end is. Keeps your eyes focused on what is down the road for you. No matter what it is that you're traveling through at the moment, no matter what difficulty and struggle you may be facing at this time, that God has something for you in the future. And I believe every one of us needs to be that friend who is that positively realistic person. That we look at the future with a positivity and understanding that God has great things for us. There will be trials. There will be struggles. There will be difficulty. But God has something great for us. And I think every one of us needs someone like that in our lives. And I believe God's will is for each of us to be that for someone else. And he finishes with the phrase, endureth all things. Understand that if you're a friend, if you have a relationship in your life, God has placed you there for the difficult times as well as the good times. We don't pick and choose when we're going to be a friend. We don't pick and choose when we're going to love. God has placed us there for a lifetime. And love, he reiterates here, hopeth all things, endureth all things. We'll go through anything. Then verse number eight, he says this, Charity never faileth. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it vanisheth away. I'm going to begin to get a little bit of an idea here at the end of the chapter of why we had those three verses at the beginning. Why are our words themselves not love? Why is our knowledge itself not love? Why is our giving of itself not love? Why? Because those things are temporary. Those things happen in a moment and then they're gone. True love is an attitude that we present towards people, an attitude that we approach our relationships with. And that is something that is going to last forever. 
It's not temporary. It's not fleeting. It is not for a time, but it's for eternity. And if we go back to the beginning of this question that we began to answer, why is it so important that we love? Because Christ commanded us, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples. Ye have love one for another. We are an example to the world. And if we take a moment to understand how far we've come from this command of Christ to love one another as Christians. And he told us very clearly and very plainly, the world is not going to understand and recognize you as a Christian because of the way that you treat them, by the way that you love them. They're not even going to recognize you as a Christian by the way that you love God. They are going to recognize you as a Christian because of your love for each other. And if we've lost that, we've lost our testimony. We've lost our witness. We've lost our ability to reach out to those who are in desperate need of the gospel. Those who are in desperate need of a relationship with Christ. That is why our love for one another, the love that we have in our relationships, with our friends, with our family, with our spouse, with our children, with all of those that God has placed in our life, that is why it is so very, very important. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. It's been a help to you. We would love to hear from you. We'd love for you to share the podcast, send it out to someone else who you think it could be a blessing to. If you have enjoyed the podcast, we'd love for you to leave us a rating and a review. That way we can reach out to some more people. Again, thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful day, and we'll see you back here next time.